what are we doing right now? We're recording the podcast. Are we in person right now? We are in person right now. For the first time since March 2020. I'm staring at your face. Can you believe it? No. (laughs) Well, in three years. We've seen each other in person in those three years, but this is the first time that we've been together in the same city to record the podcast since 2020. Um, Eleni has moved back to Montreal. Do you want to tell everyone about your new job? No. (laughs) Um, But yes, she has moved back home from Mm -hmm. Toronto, which was getting very expensive, as I've come to understand. Um, So yeah, it's been a long time. It's a new, feels like a new format compared to what we've been doing for the last three years. Well, we're in a new setting. Yes. In your new apartment. We used to exclusively record at Jeffrey's house. Yes. In his little kitchen. Which started to get on my mother's nerves. Oh my god, hard. (laughs) She hated me. (laughs) But we are now in my home, exclusively. Mostly, yeah. No mothers, (laughs) is what I meant to say. No mothers. Uh, But we don't have our fan. No, because it's actually being used at my, my workplace at the moment because we have no air conditioning at the end of June. Which is the worst because it's been like 40 degrees here Celsius, plus the forest fires are not helping. Oh, yeah. Um, In Montreal on this past Sunday, we had the worst air quality in the world. Mind you, our skyline was not as bad as New York City's that first... That was eerie. It was, yeah. It wasn't that. It wasn't as bad, but it was pretty pretty scary outside because it smelled like smoke. Yeah, it was very smoggy. Not orange, but just smoggy. Smelled like smoke everywhere. You couldn't breathe. No. Uh, I felt like if I didn't already have an asthma problem, I was going to get one. And that was the day that I went into work. I had to open the store where I work on a Sunday. And (laughs) there was no air conditioning and it smelled like the world was burning. So it was, it was like, it was was a great day. Yeah. But you could smell it. Usually you can't always smell it. Yeah. Usually you can ignore it and have your delusions. (laughs) Girl Um, delusions. Delusions, girl. Uh, Today we're discussing episode 518. And before we were recording, we had a little... Um, we had a pre-discussion. Yeah, we had like... I was, I'm going to say a get-together. That's not really... We had what, a kiki. <laughs> yes, we had a kiki. Uh, Eleni and I were kikiing on her couch prior to... Uh, that sounded oddly sexual. I don't know why. <laughs> we uh, we were c- catching up on her couches. This was the first time that I'd seen her new apartment. And so we had a snack. And then we were t- had a snack. I had a snack. Yeah. <laughs> we're, now we're having the Timbits that I brought over. If you didn't already know we're Canadian, we're eating Timbits. Um, yeah. So Eleni told me that she thinks this episode is one of the worst of the season or of the whole show. I don't show? like this episode. Okay. One of the worst of the season. I don't think there's anything redeeming about this episode. No, it just kind of is. I think there's some funny <laughs> moments, mm-hmm. but the writing is not particularly good. No. Um, it's like next <clears throat> level filler. Yeah. It's like they needed to bridge the last couple of episodes of the season with the first half of the season, and they did it in a really horrible way. You think that's why they brought Dean back for this episode? I Personally, I think that Dean was there to put an end to his story once and for all. Okay. I f- Because Amy Sherman Palladino has a soft spot for Dean, which I don't understand. No. Um, but it's her show, whatever. Um, and I feel like she was probably feeling that she didn't wrap up their storyline well enough. Yeah. So I feel in her mind, it was like any excuse to bring him back. And do you think it was, I'm going to ask you being this deliberate, 
obviously, yes, it was deliberate, but do you think it was just this one episode or she thought like, we'll bring him back and see where it goes if he's going to be around in the background or something? I don't see how after this season you can bring him back. No. Especially after the scenes that he filmed with Luke. And especially the way that they used his character so much in season four to prove that like life doesn't always get better after high school <laughs> when you've peaked in high school. <laughs> so Did he peak in high school? I mean, no, it didn't... He wasn't even that great in high school. There so. was no peak for Dean. Like, <laughs> it's all flatland. But no, I feel like he doesn't come... Dean's character doesn't come back from a scene like the one he had with Luke in this episode. No. And I feel like it was... He was used as a pawn mm-hmm. to sow a seed of doubt in Luke's mind about his relationship with Lorelai. Yeah, and it was a foreshadow as to what's to come in yeah. season six. And it was just another way to tell the audience that Luke is dumb as shit. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I go with that. Like, it, <clears throat> this whole episode with Luke really bothers me. Mm-hmm. We talked about that a little bit before, too, on yeah. the couch. Um, <laughs> on, on the couch. On the couch. It it's does a, sound sexual. <laughs> it's a different part of our studio. We have a whole studio here. It's in the west wing of the home. We're launching our... YouTube channel Absolutely soon. Not. Don't tell people with, that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. You, you could see our no. I'm thinking of like you know those those interview shows of people who do podcasts, but they also have like the video of the audio for their YouTube channel, and then this like swanky ass studio. With them. You hate being on camera. I know. And I don't particularly enjoy it either. You don't like it. <laughs> and remember when you were like, "Let's start a booktube." What is it? Book talk. Booktube. Booktube. And I'm like, you hate. He doesn't even turn his camera on when we're recording. Virtually. Via Zoom or yeah. whatever we record. Because I was like, hi. Shut up. That's not how I sound. <laughs> no, but I'm always waiting, like, because I admit him to the yeah. Zoom room. And you're always, I, I never see anything. I just hear bing, hi. <laughs> I'm like, well, I guess you're here. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but yeah, I don't particularly like this episode. I don't think it's clever in any way. The only thing, I wasn't interested in anything. Mm-hmm. Until we get to the part closer to the end where all three girls are talking. Yeah. And that's short-lived. I think my favorite part of this episode is, is Drunk Lane. I think Drunk Lane is very underrated. Yeah, the last time we had a Drunk Lane was in season three. Mm-hmm. And that's when she called Mama <laughs> and like told her about Dave. Um, but even then, like, ooh, it was so short-lived yeah. and her story in this episode wasn't like she went shopping for cleaning supplies and she caught caught zach playing the banjo yeah cool it was yeah you're right it's very next level filler like you want to say filler but there are some crucial elements that happen it's but it's still filler but i mean crucial with a small c but what are the crucial elements I mean, the whole, this is like the, the catalyst for the Twickham house and that whole drama, so. Yeah, but that, knowing what we know <clears throat> about what happens with that in the future, mm-hmm. it's such a non-thing. Yeah. And the way That's Luke... That's why I think it's stupid, but... Yeah, well, the way Luke goes about it also is really dumb. Should we get into it? Like, I feel like we're just talking <laughs> yeah. around shit. So the opening scene... <laughs> oh, by the way, we didn't tell people the, the name of this episode. It's To Live in That Diorama. Don't even get me started on this fucking diorama. It's also not a good title. <laughs> Anyways. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, so the opening uh, scene is the town lining up to go say goodbye to Old Man Twickham. Which is weird. 
which is weird, but... He's been dying for 20 years, apparently. Apparently, he's been dying for 20 years, which I have relatives like that. Yeah. Yeah. My grandmother's thing... Well, now she actually died, but... <laughs> <laughs> My grandmother's thing... It finally happened. But she always used to say, um, there's a saying in Greek, and it roughly translates to, uh, like, the day after tomorrow when I die. Mm-hmm. And she's been telling me that since I was, like, five. That's like so you know like the like she means in the not so distant future when I die like I want you to do this. Mm-hmm. Um so I feel like old people get very dramatic yeah about their deaths. Mm-hmm. And from what we're made to understand about old man Twickham is that he was a miserable man who didn't really have a family because he left his home to the Stars Hollow Historic Society. Yeah. And he with instructions to turn it into a museum. Would you go to a Stars Hollow museum? I wouldn't go to that Stars Hollow Museum. Okay, well, would you go to a small town museum? Like, picture it. Sicily, 1912. <laughs> well, there's great museums in Sicily. <laughs> no. Would you... Let's say you're on a road trip in, like, rural Connecticut. Oh, for sure I'd go to a... Like, a small, small town museum, for sure I'd find it interesting. I'm saying I wouldn't go to this museum based on what I've seen through this episode. It looks lame as fuck. So. No, but you would go to, like... A small town museum in someone's house? Not in someone's house. Well, it's a house. It's been converted to a museum. But it looks like a museum. We went even before it was a museum to me. First of all, that house looks really nice. Yeah. From the outside. Those columns? Girl. But I mean, by the time it was a museum, it wasn't his house anymore. Well, that's another thing. Everything happens really quickly in this episode. <laughs> he dies and the museum opens on Saturday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, oh, interesting. I thought you were going to say no. Well, you know, like, we were also talking about our typical ideal vacation before as well, and we both kind of agreed that when we think in our heads of, like, if we had time for a vacation, where we want to go, what we want to do, and we're both not the kind of people who would jump at the chance to book ourselves a vacation where, like, we lay on the beach all day, because we're not... It's hot. We don't love... (laughs) We don't love being warm, (laughs) and, um... I also just don't love being sedentary, like... Yeah. But isn't it weird that I love sitting on my ass all day at home? Yeah, but, but the, yeah, exactly. That's why you don't want to go and sit on your ass on vacation. Anyway, but we both agreed that we liked, we would think we want to go to a, a city we've never been to before, a country we've never been to before, and explore. And so to me, if I'm in rural Connecticut, I'm like, I'm not ever going to be here again in the next near future. So I'd want to go. Yeah, but the main attraction is the Stars Hollow Museum with a flag that they brought from Sears. <laughs> And a cannonball that fell through the fucking... Well, I wouldn't know this before going into the museum is what I'm saying. Listen, Miss Patty was charging you $3 to go in. It wasn't even worth a penny. It wasn't. Oh, mamma mia. <laughs> like they thought they found a letter from George Washington. But it was dated from 1944 <laughs> or something. <laughs> Which oh, I wouldn't expect anything less from them. I but mean, And then the portrait of the man who may have started the school that may have housed George Washington's second cousin... Like, what are we doing? Wasting our time. Oh, mamma mia. Like, who thought that, that would be a good idea? It's not even funny either. Like, it's not like... But that's a, that's what I'm trying to say. I feel like the writers had the potential to make it funny. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they just half-assed it. Yeah. And I don't understand why. Well, I think stranger things have happened in Stars Hollow, so... So, the, the concept of going to say goodbye to old man Twickham and you know, turning it into a museum, you know, Taylor's all for that historical shit. They do the reenactment. They do the prostitute thing. (laughs) 
What was that for? That was also for the reenactment, but it was for like... Something else. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that part of it doesn't surprise me at all. But just knowing how they've handled events in the past and they've made them quirky. Mm-hmm. This is quirky, but like it kind of stops there. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, and I was waiting for something to happen. I think the Founders Day punch was like the punchline. Was that the thing? I guess they get like, drunk on the Founders Day punch, and I guess. But, but anyways, I never really went anywhere, and I was annoyed the whole time. Um, so Luke volunteers to help out with the museum. Yeah. And he tells Lorelai it's because Old Man Twickham was like a second father to him. That's what I don't get. <laughs> and then we find out that... Luke hated Mr. Yeah, Mr. Twickham. Yeah, Luke hated Old Man Twickham. And he tells Taylor that the reason he's volunteering is because he's going through a rough patch with Lorelai. And she wants him to be more involved in the town. Like, men will come up with the most convoluted stories not to tell the truth. Yeah. Like, what is this? And since we are, since, you know, this is in no way a spoiler-free podcast. No. Um, since we know what happens and we know why Luke is interested in helping with the, 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 the museum at the Twickham house. Yeah. It's because he wants to buy the Twickham house for him and Lorelai. And that, to me, is also dumb. And, I mean, I'd say poorly written, but it to me it doesn't, doesn't compute. Um... Like, why would Lorelai, why would Luke think that Lorelai would want to live in the Twickham house? Well, I think the reason it's dumb, I agree with you, I think it's dumb. And I think the reason it's dumb is because normally we have conversations with people, mm-hmm. with our partners. Right. And we talk about, like, what are our living arrangements going to be? Like, we're both serious about this relationship. Do you want to stay in your house? I was thinking I'd love to buy this house. Like, all the things that he tells Taylor at the end of the episode about how he always used to tell himself that when he got married and started a family... It had to be an old man Twickham's house because he always loved the house. Like, that's the conversation you should not be having with Taylor fucking Dosey. You should be having it with Lorelai fucking Gilmore. Exactly. <laughs> like, you're telling the wrong person the wrong information. I think that's just a whole extension of straight men not knowing how to <laughs> A, communicate, or B, communicate their feelings. Yeah, but this is not... Like, what does he think? And we know, we know what he's thinking. He's thinking he's going to buy it in secret. But it's not like, oh, something tiny that you can keep from your partner. You know, like, remember that episode in season two where Suki tells the story about how she once told her in-laws that she likes frogs Mm -hmm. and now they always bring her frog figurines. Mm -hmm. Like... That is not this. No. You know, like the frog figurine thing, you can keep that up for decades. <laughs> Buying a house, no. you're eventually going to have to talk about it with your partner. Mm-hmm. And and she gave him a perfect opening, I feel like, because she's like, this house really is beautiful. Yeah. Instead, you told her this cockamamie story about how old man Twickham was like a second father to you. Which is, as we know, I'm guessing is a lie. Of course. He, he hated old man Twickham. What the fuck? Um... I I think what bothers me most about this whole storyline is that I guess not obviously we had that we had to know Old Man Twickham before this episode, but I think it just bothers me that his house was like clearly such a well known fixture in the town and this is the first we're hearing of it and I think that that could have been like that frustration that I have could have been easily extinguished if the writers had spent more time 
So you're saying like if we had heard about Old Man Twickham in passing, let's say in season two or three, like just talking about mm-hmm. him, or you know how they talked about how this is Miss Patty's seventeenth time saying goodbye to him. Yeah. Like if they had just written that somewhere. I don't know. Like I, I don't think necessarily that I would that it would have made more sense if we'd heard something about him prior to this episode. I think it would. I think this episode itself was more on the poorly written side. That I'm I'm just not buying it. Yeah. I think I could have bought it if you had executed this episode itself better. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was terribly executed. <laughs> I, my only, my thought right, like while watching this was like they ran out of money. <laughs> they ran out of money and they had to just film on the Warner Brothers lot. And they, they needed like quick, easy shots. And I just... mean, as far as, you know, running out of money or needing some kind of filler episode on the fly... As it, if, if that necessarily was the case, Gilmore Girls is the perfect show. Oh, I think so. To do that. But with. I think this was such a flop. <clears throat> yeah. I hate to keep saying like synonyms for a terrible episode, <laughs> but what a flop episode. It was. Yeah. Um, she was in her flop era. Clearly. <laughs> um, let's talk about. Trail the... mix? You want to talk about trail mix? Oh, God, the trail mix. <laughs> Just buy your chocolate, Lorelai. Do you eat trail mix? No. I don't eat trail mix either. But I'm thinking if I did, I would be like her, like, oh. But why would you buy it then? Exactly. It's pointless. And But soy- I'm with her on soybean in a fucking I don't even tra- know what's in regular trail mix. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. Oh my gosh. But you know when they're like, this is a nice nut mix for camping. And like, because you know, I know some trail mix has M&M's in it. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, but just buy the M&M's. Exactly. Like you, like, you think you're being healthy just because you want to By the way, I typed trail mix and they're like, healthy trail mix. I'm like, where did I say healthy? Yeah. Where? Trail mix or scroggin, the fuck, <laughs> is a type of snack mix, typically a combination of granola, dried fruit, nuts, and sometimes candy, developed as a food to be taken along on hikes. Well, Lorelai, you're not going on a hike anytime soon. Number one, soon. you're not going on a hike. You've never hiked in your life. Number two, what did you think you were buying? I think that was just, she thinks she's being healthy by buying trail mix. Actually, and then, she didn't buy it. Sugi brought it. Yeah, and she's like, well, trail mix used to be, bad, like, less trail mixy. I don't Fancy. know. Ooh, this one has Cadbury mini eggs in it. That's not trail mix. <laughs> I do love a good Cadbury mini egg. Then buy a, then buy a Cadbury. Well, yeah, that's what I would do. Do you know that a couple of years, not a couple of years ago, it's been more than a couple of years ago now. I don't know how many years ago now, but when they started making Cadbury mini eggs all year round. Mm-hmm. Best day of my life when I found yeah. that out. Have you ever had the? Well, you probably have. You the the Cadbury eggs from the UK. Yes. They're, they're much better. Of right? course they are. Yeah. Because the chocolate is better. Mm-hmm. You know what I don't like? Cream eggs. I don't like. They're not my favorite. <gasps> I like the, the the caramel eggs. I don't even like those. I just don't. I think I just don't like things oozing out of me. <laughs> but the caramel out of me. I said out of me. <laughs> oozing out at me is what I meant to say. <laughs> the caramel. Eggs are much better from the UK as well because the caramel tastes authentic. Superior. Yeah, authentic. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, yeah. So, don't bring Lorelai trail mix, Suki. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to talk about the actual museum itself. Okay. Because <laughs> as far as I can tell, it's the cannonball that they drove to find. That they didn't tie down. That they didn't tie down, and that he lent to his sister. In Mystic. But he lent it to her. Mm-hmm. For what? What do you need a cannonball for? What? Mm. <laughs> Why do you own one, number one? Why are you lending it to people? I think that's also supposed to be like Star's, Star's Hollow Quirk. I think 
I think the reason why we're upset with this episode, I mean, I'm going to speak for, I'm going to try and speak for, speak for both of us, but go for it. Doesn't usually work. Um, is we're we're very well versed and accustomed to the Star's Hollow Cork. Mm. I think they did, they just they tried to make it the center of the episode in a way that wasn't well executed, as I said before. So it bothers us that they thought they thought they could get away with it. Just oh, she owns a cannonball. Like okay, that to me is very Star's Hollow quirky, but you can't just give it to us without context. <laughs> I also feel like they tried too hard to make the entire episode about. Stars Hollow Mm -hmm. versus when we've had episodes that have been very town focused in the past. So like I'm thinking of the basket bidding or the dance marathon Mm -hmm. or even like the reenactments and harvest festivals. There's always something else going on, Mm -hmm. even if it's not moving the plot along at a pace that we're used to. It's still happening, you know. So, yes, we get these moments with the town and the quirkiness. But it's almost like we're okay with it because when they do cut back to either Rory or Lorelai or even Emily and Richard. It's a B plot. Exactly. So it's like it's like a palate cleanser kind of. Yeah. You know like when you go to a really fancy wedding and they bring you that stupid fucking ice stuff? No. Like, okay, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I haven't been to a wedding in a very long time. Thank you, pandemic. Me neither. But, okay, do you know in Princess Diaries? Yeah. Where they bring her that stuff that she thinks is ice cream. Oh, yeah. And she puts it in her mouth. Mm -hmm. That's a palate cleanser. Oh. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. But, um... Where was that going? (laughs) (laughs) No, so that's what the scenes are, you know? It's Mm -hmm. like, we get really intense scenes of, like, let's say Friday night dinner and they're fighting. Mm -hmm. And then cut to, like, Luke talking to Kirk in the diner about kicking his mother out of his house. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, they didn't have that cutting in between because Lorelai's in the thick of the town action this time and so is Luke which is also very rare yeah Luke doesn't participate in town stuff so I think my question is gonna be obviously putting way too much thought in it thought into it because the writers clearly didn't put that much thought into it but I find it interesting and I want to unpack this more later once we get to talking more about Dean but I find it interesting how more or less his purpose in this episode was to essentially prove to Luke that they want more than this and you're not like them, whatever, which in itself is ridiculous and I want to unpack that more after. But that was his purpose was to like tell Luke, like to instill them, he said like to instill that worry, that anxiety in mm-hmm. him that Lorelai isn't like he's not good enough for Lorelai essentially. So I have to wonder if like they focus so much on Stars Hollow town and quirk, townspeople and their quirk as the A plot, so to speak. I wonder if they did that on purpose to show that, like, to almost, like, portray Luke as being only that, even though it's not... You know, I feel like maybe, maybe that was some kind of goal they had and that they just fumbled it even worse because that wasn't that wasn't the that wasn't the end result at all. Yeah, I mean, I never thought of it that way, but it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to do that subtly and it failed, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it could be. I mean, that whole conversation between Dean and Luke is ridiculous to begin with because how Dean can equate what happened with him and Rory to two adults who are actually single yeah. having a relationship. Also, let's just get into it now. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think what bothers me the most is obviously that Dean is a whiny ass baby in this situation where he's like, 
he's he, you know he's upset with Luke for no apparent reason, and he's like that's why Luke even says like what is this about the the pippy the 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 bop it like that feels like so long ago compared to where we are now. Yeah. So initially, I was also confused as to why he was obsessed obsessed upset with him mm-hmm. because it's not like okay, yes, the pippy thing happened. Luke was a dick, whatever, but. What has Luke done specifically for you to now be pissy when you're both on the job of something, you know? And so it's it's almost as if he's taking out his hurt mm-hmm. after what happened between him and Rory on someone he knows is close to Rory. Yeah, for sure. That's exactly what he's doing. And it's such a dick move. That's exactly why it's a dick move. That's exactly what he's doing. I almost want to say... Like, Luke historically wasn't great towards Dean. No, but... But even, but even then, like, that's... That was definitely... Like you said, Dean was taking out his anger towards what happened with Rory out on Luke. Because Luke is, like, the next best thing in this, in this scenario or something. I guess, but, like, <clears throat> Luke in general... Okay, so let's, let's go back. Season one, he put him in a headlock because he broke up with Rory. <laughs> Um, but let's not forget the e- evening of your wedding when you were passed out drunk in his house. Exactly. I forgot about that. He took care of you. Yeah. And he didn't spill the beans about you saying another woman's name. You know, maybe he should have. He would have saved us all a lot of trouble. <laughs> but like he's never, he's, he's always been decent to you. Yeah. And that's why I think it's really frustrating at this point of like, fine, you want to hurt him because he's close to Rory. Fine. But it was such a cruel thing to say to a man who's hasn't really done anything to you. Exactly. And like it wasn't like he punched you in the face on that date on that date night and or also, anything. Also, it's almost as if like he so his situation with Rory, by the way, is entirely different. Mm-hmm. I just want to point that out. But I have issues with what he said in general regardless. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I think it's just ludicrous to think that like Lorelai and Rory are these people who just have bigger dreams than Stars Hollow or whatever. And, like, that's not how Lorelai and Rory have ever been. Like, okay, Rory has dreams, but, like, never once has Rory or her mother ever been, like, felt like they were above Stars Hollow. But also, even if you felt that way about Rory, Mm -hmm. so even if that's how you felt, like, you felt jilted because you found her at her parents, at her grandparents' party wearing a tiara. And, you know, remember that episode we talked about how... I don't belong here. I don't belong here. Not anymore. Yeah. You look really pretty. <laughs> oh, so beautiful. No, I'm kidding. Um, or, whatever, yeah. or whatever he said. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I mean, even if that's you, how you felt about Rory and that's how you perceived Rory, what the fuck do you know about Lorelai? Exactly. The woman moved away from all that, has been living comfortably in Stars Hollow for almost 30 years, mm-hmm. like has never really given any indication, built her business there, bought a home there. You know, knows everybody in town, is always involved with town activities. Like, what made you think that she wants out? Yeah, like you could, like you said, you could argue one way or the other that maybe Rory has dreams that are quote unquote bigger than Stars Hollow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Whatever. Even if you, see her if, like you that. if you think that, okay. But Lorelai has much firmer roots to Stars Hollow, so to speak. And so. also the way he says it, like they want more than this. It's as if it's a bad thing. And he's trying to... No, he's just trying to justify, like, what happened. Acting hap- like a dick. Acting like a dick. And he's... That's that's his way of rationalizing, like, 
and making himself feel better about what happened. It's like, it wasn't my fault. Like, she wants more than this. And like, ugh. This is all we are. And, no, but my thing is... This is all you are. Well, clearly. Also, I was thinking during this episode, it must be really awkward still living in Stars Hollow. Like, oh, meaning, everyone. Like, after you got married at a high school, cheated, cheated on her... Got married in the gazebo. <laughs> cheated on her with your ex-girlfriend from high school... Um, got back together briefly, uh, had sex in a car, or they tried to have sex in a car. They tried, it didn't work, because he's too tall. Oh. And... They had sex at Miss Patty's, though. And then that didn't work either, so... No, I'm just... I think the way he said they want more than this... Like, even if they did, what's wrong with that? Yeah. What's wrong with wanting to leave the small town... And and make a life for yourself. Like small town living is not for everyone. As you as you can attest. Oh my god! We also talked earlier during our couch talk. <laughs> it's not getting any better. Um, that pillow, I was, pillow talk. But <laughs> I was super suicidal when I lived in a small town. Um, no, but it's not for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And he just says it like it's this dirty thing. Like how dare these women have ambition? No, and he's framing it that way to make himself feel better about it. Of course, it. yeah. But, I mean, my thing is also, like, why would you, it's no secret, hold on, it's no secret, (laughs) I'm saying hold on to myself, it's no secret that Lorelai has always been Dean's biggest fan, Mm -hmm. and even when they were dating and Jess was kind of in the picture, like, Lorelai always took Dean's side, Mm. and, you know, they'd have, like, side conversations where I'm like, this is really inappropriate. Roy doesn't lie. Yeah, she does. Um... So the fact that you would also be so cruel to a woman who's been nothing but nice to you mm-hmm. and always been on your side and sometimes even taking your side over her own daughter's side. Even after you slept with her daughter while still married. Exactly. Like, to me, I'm like, it's time to get off my fucking screen. And do you think that it was... I was asked you this before as well. We we had like a mini conversation before we recorded. That's why I was like, we should bottle this up. And, yeah, we're like, shut up, shut up. Um, do you think it was this was his? What am I trying to say? I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm waiting. Was, was this the like the writers purposely bringing him back for one episode to tie up the story, or was it like? some kind of open door to him maybe coming back again. I don't think you really come back from that. I think at this point, though, he's, like, in this 2005, he's firmly planted in Supernatural. Yeah, exactly. So he, I think... he, he already kind of had the... I forget. Is he Sam on Supernatural? I don't remember which one is which. I'm asking the wrong person, right? You're asking the <laughs> girl. Okay, but he was he already had the look that his character had on Supernatural in this episode. Yeah, no, no, no. 2005 was when Supernatural started, so I know he's already... Um... Firmly planted in there. And that show was on for 15 seasons. Jesus Christ, that's ridiculous to me. Um, But what I wanted to say with that was, um, I think two things. I think one, it was let's wrap it up Mm -hmm. with him because we know he's going on to do other things. If only they could have done that with Dave Rogowski. Well, you picked the wrong guy to do that with. (laughs) Um, So I think that was it. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, I think because Amy Sherman Palladino had such like high, such a high opinion of him. 
Um, a she, soft spot. I don't know. Was it a high I don't know what it is, but she had a soft spot for him because she she said in interviews over the years that like first love, it's complicated, blah blah blah. He's still trash. He, well, listen, <laughs> that's her. That's not me. You know, I think he's trash. But I think yeah. So I think she, she wanted to afford him and his character that mm-hmm. because he had been part of the show for so long. Right. Whereas maybe with Dave Rogelski, it was like he was there for 10 episodes, 12. Still. It's not the same thing. I think, I, I'm bitter about it too, let's be honest. Aside from Team Dean, I think fans are, fans were more upset that we didn't get more of Dave, Lane and Dave Rogelski. Oh, for sure. But. We also didn't get Lane justice for her own storyline. So. Yeah. I actually want to talk about Lane's storyline in this episode. <laughs> it's shit, first of it's all. It's shit, but yeah, so Jared Padalecki played Sam Winchester for 327 episodes. I got it. It was Sam. That is absolutely... And the other one was Dean. Yeah, that's absolutely fucking ridiculous. Because I knew he didn't play Dean on both shows. <laughs> yeah. Is he on another show now? Walker? Or did that get canceled? I think I it got canceled. I don't know. Also, he's had so much work done. He has? On his face? For sure. Interesting. Goddamn. He was also arrested. Oh. For a drunken disorderly and assault. Cool. Whatever. It's fine. I mean, so was Reese Witherspoon. I know. So, whatever. <laughs> um, most of the men that have come out of Gilmore Girls, trash. Did you just talk about Milo Ventimiglia like that? No. <laughs> but I'm talking about David Sutcliffe. Okay. Well, then uh, I'm talking about... Um, Yannick Truesdale, you met him. I love him. <laughs> Whatever. Um, let's go back. I want to talk about... Uh, who's the second person? David Sutcliffe and... Well, I don't know if I want to see it. Well, you've come this far. Scott Patterson. Okay, well, duh. We already knew that. We've talked about how trash he is in his, in his podcast like, here. Honestly, though, he's not comparable to the shit that David... Sutcliffe, David Sutcliffe, Sutcliffe has gone full QAnon. Oh, for sure. No, 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 no. Excuse me, you had our podcast email subscribed to his newsletter Listen. for however long. And I was like, can I please take this out of my inbox? And I was like, no, it's inspiration for some stuff. <laughs> then subscribe to it on your email. <laughs> it was podcast related. Anyways, whatever. I want to talk about Lane, she said for the third time. Um, Milo, so- Milo was not in that group. Just uh, Milo did date a teenager. Yeah, that's a whole other story. We're not getting into it. Continue. <laughs> You can't just ignore the bad parts of the people oh, you know. I mean, that's but that's not as that's kind of common though. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's right. Oh, mamma mia! I'm not justifying it either. But All continue. Right, let's move on. Let's talk about Lane. Okay. Should we? Yeah. Because I just said it 18 times. <laughs> um, Lane and Zach go to the music store, mm-hmm. and they see Sophie. Yes. And it's the first time that Lane has really said that. She doesn't want to just be a drummer. She wants to write and compose music as well. Mm-hmm. And then I heard that and I was like, that just makes the fact that you got saddled with two kids in Stars Hollow ten times more disappointing. Honestly, what bothers me more about this is like, why is the Sophie character such a bitch? Yeah. For no apparent reason. Either maybe there is a reason. Like maybe her like but they never she's like it. she's like, oh, this thing. Like maybe something bad happened when in her music career and she like went dark and then opened a small town music shop. I mean, so the the character of Sophie is played by Carol King. Yes. Um I think she was written into the show cuz she cuz she sang the theme song. Yeah, and she wanted to be a part of something mm-hmm. that like used her legacy. Considering of. like the Where You Lead song was 
like an existing song of hers that was re-recorded for the show. And that was also originally written by how she would follow a man wherever. Yeah. Song. <laughs> 70s. <laughs> but um, not to take anything away from Carol King's music because I love Carol King. But she's a lyrical genius. And I've been trying to learn her songs on the piano for a very long time and it's not working. Um, but I think that her the character itself was written for her specifically. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if like they sat down with the great Carol King and been like, what do you want to play? Yeah. <laughs> and um, because you don't say no to Carol King, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they were probably just so in awe of her that they were like, well, tell us what you want to do and we'll, we'll write it in there, you know? And then maybe she's like, oh, and then maybe we can have a portion where Lane comes because I wrote a song, you know? like Yeah, yeah. I think she, I th- I'm. I take back. I'm not like she's kind of bitchy. I think it's more. No, of a, she is. She's very snippy, and she doesn't really like. Customers. I think. Yeah, and I, <laughs> we're relatable. Well, yeah. Um, I think she, I think what they were going for was jaded. I think mm-hmm. they probably weren't going to expand on the characters much more than what we saw. But I think just from you know when she, her reaction of oh this old like oh this thing when she shows when Lane shows her the vinyl with songs that she wrote. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe that's something bad happened. Maybe it was like a, it's probably like a peer in her life that's behind her, and she's just yeah, like, like I I lived in New York and I wrote songs, and now I'm running this small town music store. And it could just be her. Like it's probably just her personality. I, like I think she was meant to be kind of an, an enigma. So yeah, but um, but yeah, like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if they were like whatever Carol King wants to play. That's what we're gonna write for her. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. which is fine. That's, she's a legend. Yeah. I would do the same. Um, she's not an amazing actress, though. That's just she's not. <laughs> like, there's not a lot behind the the I lines. Mean, to be fair, well, here's the thing. To be fair, it's I don't think they put a lot of thought into her scenes, anyways. No. So there's only so much you can really do with mm-hmm. the very superficial, whatever drivel they're giving you. Yeah. But yeah, I also don't think she's an amazing actress. Well, like, she, she she's not an actress. She wasn't meant to be. She's a singer. No, and I think she's. Like, it's not like her character is vital to the show either. No. So, like, when I do see her, I'm not, like... It's a, it's a guest spot. Yeah. I'm not super disappointed. No. But it's, like, it always takes me back to that scene where Scott Patterson's wife did a guest appearance. Right. Who was she again? Like, the lady at the Maple. Right. What are we going to do, Miss Patty? <laughs> like, it was not good. No. Um, some people can't act. No. You know. Just stand there and look pretty. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Anyways... Um, but yeah, so like the more Lane says about what she hopes and dreams for, the more agitated. <laughs> yeah, and it's something I think fans only notice as they get older. And like, there's a, I think the whole like justice for Lane movement, shall we say? I mean, it is a movement. Yeah, I think that's kind of born out of fans of like our age group who you know watched the show when we were younger and we loved Lane just because we loved Lane. And now now as we've grown up and we've followed our own kind of career paths and we've had a bit more freedom hopefully um we really we realized like they really like they fumbled her storyline so badly and they should have done so much more with her character and they just didn't yeah. so it's sad when you think about it too long which is why i try not to yeah and i i always thought her storyline was tragic to begin with mm-hmm when she just wanted to be in a band and play music. Especially in the earlier seasons. Like, even when you watch an episode, like, from seasons one, two, or three, just out of context, randomly, like, how she has to spend so much time. Like, when she was hiring, um, like, no, hiring. When she was, like, uh, looking for, like, bands, uh, drummer seeks band 
uh, flyers and posting it mm-hmm. everywhere. And like she held auditions at Lorelai's house. Or yeah, yeah, she was were, like looking for a band to join. Yeah, and, like people were calling her at Lorelai's house. And, like she's just like she was just so into it. And like Lorelai was so supportive and like taking messages. And it's like her like she had to do that. At, she had to do that at someone else's house. Like she yeah. wasn't even welcome to do that in her own house. It like, does suck that she worked so hard in the sense of like. She had to go to Lorelai's house. She mm-hmm. had to sneak past her mother. She had to listen to music. And and then to, to for it to fizzle out and go nowhere. Yeah. Like somebody worked so hard for their dream. Exactly. And it just and I understand sometimes that's how life works out. Yeah. But this is fiction, goddammit. <laughs> you could have given us something to hold on to. Yes, and you know, no shade to people who uh, get married, have kids, and live, no, in, and they, live in their hometown. But they but... never gave us an indication that that's what she wanted. No. If, if, if Lane's story had been like... If any, if at any point during this series, Lena had been like, "Oh, I want to travel a little bit to like play with my band," but I really love to settle back down, run Kins Antiques, and have my family here in Stars Hollow, I'd be like, "Great, yeah, that's what, exactly what you got." You know what I mean? But she never gave us any indication that she wanted that. No. So why? And part of me even wants to say, when you put it in that in that sense, that. It's not even that. It wasn't even that deep for the writers. It was like she was just a side character. Yeah, she was an afterthought. She was an afterthought, and but that's why it hurts so much exactly. more. Exactly, and it didn't. It didn't matter to them that oh, she had mentioned that like this is her dream. But it mattered to us, exactly. goddamn it! It mattered to us. It mattered to us. Because I never thought I'd be here in my life. <laughs> but it would have been way more comforting if Lane had gotten to go where she wanted to go. Where do you think you would be? I don't know. <laughs> Dead probably. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Anywhere but your mother's house, essentially. Yeah, so I guess I'm living the dream. Um, but yeah, so it's just, it's it's ten times worse. Because also during this episode, she is making plans to go cleaning supply shopping. And I'm like, is that, what is your life? I too love cleaning supplies, but I'm not, but I'm, I don't make a, tr- make a trip just to buy cleaning Girl. supplies. <laughs> bags of cleaning supplies she had i was and like she, what is going on here and she's wearing a raincoat and i'm just like that image of her standing there it was there, so sad right? wasn't <laughs> it it was like the saddest scene of the entire series like for this, me. this is the highlight of your of your week it was 10 times worse than emily gilmore breaking down and crying yeah in the plane yeah in the plane it was it was worse than like for me i was just like fucking lane poor lane her little raincoat with all her cleaning <laughs> supplies a mop looking at her idiot boyfriend whom she marries oh yeah and like that's another thing he's being really cagey with her he's like i can't go i can't go cleaning supply shopping with you today and why the hell does zach love cleaning supplies that's so much another thing he they've never given us any indication that he's clean i think exactly <laughs> I, think, I think that's what's baffling i think that's why it's supposed to be funny it's not funny but it's though. not funny it's, it's not, not funny no no. Like, remember that episode where he wants to have sex? Yes. And he's like, I spread rose petals. And she's like, I thought you tracked it in. You're always tracking shit in. Yeah. And I'm like, why would this man love cleaning? Love stuff? pine salt. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, she thinks he's cheating on her with Sophie. Yeah. I mean. And he just, he's just playing the fucking banjo. And that's another thing. You're supposed to be in a relationship with this girl. You can't tell her you're playing the banjo. Exactly. It's you're like... in a band. <laughs> You play the banjo. Cool. Who cares? Oh it's like it's not God. hard rock enough for his oh, image shut or, up, Zach. or some shit. Like fuck off, Zach. Um Can we talk about Paris? Yes, I want to talk <laughs> about Paris and Rory and the whole Founders Day fiasco. So I do want to point out that one of the best memes you ever made for our Instagram page 
comes from this episode, yep. which is... <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> it's a screen, uh, a screen cap of Paris sitting in her chair in her pajamas with listening to the music really loud and Roy coming out of her room saying pathetic and you put <laughs> um, a bubble over Rory saying my mother and a bubble over Paris saying me showing clear signs of depression. Pathetic! Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my life. It's my favorite. Maybe that's why I thought I'd be dead by 30. <laughs> um, and that, that, that screen cap of just Paris sitting looking miserable with the remote in their hands slouched in the chair, that's also... Uh, that's also how I spend most of my time. Yeah. But I'm in a place where I'm okay with that now. Yeah. But Paris, in this case, is sulking because she hasn't heard from Doyle. And Rory hasn't heard from Logan. And Rory hasn't heard from Logan, but Paris is um, clearly wallowing about it. Which sometimes you need to do. Honestly, I think so too. And I think Paris like works herself to the bone mm. so much that she deserves just some time to when do the last nothing. time you saw Paris watching TV? Like Never. So, <laughs> good for you, Paris. Um, but Rory is trying to... I don't know if it's convince her, mm-hmm. but she's trying to tell her like, no, we're not in the same boat. And also I'm not doing, I'm like, I'm not wallowing. I'm just, I'm going to go out and study and do, do, shut up, Rory. Yeah. Like you're clearly in the same boat. Mm-hmm. So, like Logan hasn't called her. Joel hasn't called Paris. Um, I have a question. Yes. Why can they call them? Because that's not how ladies in society act. No. Okay. All right, Jane Austen. <laughs> like. I don't know. I think it's more just like the truth. That whole trope for straight couples where it's like, they're playing hard to get. I'm waiting for him to come to me. I can't look. It's kind of desperate if I call him first. But she called him first when she asked to hang out. Yes, but now I'm done. I want Logan to call me first. Why doesn't he like me? I'm going to go cry on my mom's bathroom's floor. Can I tell you something? That was one of the most pathetic things I've ever seen. Have I not? That's always what I pinpointed in my dislike of Logan in season five, especially where it's like he makes. But that's not his fault. No, but like the way Rory reacts to that just bothers me, and I get it. Sometimes we just I get it. I don't. (laughs) Also, do you think if she hadn't had seventeen gallons of Founders Day punch, she would have cried like that? No. Okay. So. I just think, in general, Rory is not someone who has meltdowns like that so i think to me the alcohol kind of brought it out i'm not justifying it i think it was pathetic but i think in a rational in a rational uh state of mind she would have just bottled up those feelings and so okay so it's not that serious okay (laughs) in that you've been dating him dating him for two weeks Mm-hmm. She says when she's talking to Paris. Yeah. And you know he's seeing other people. I think it was... Okay. I'm I've, not done. Okay. <laughs> and you're both busy with school and guys are not the most reliable communicators in general. And in Stars Hollow. And in Stars... In the Gilmore Girls universe, shall we say. So, like... I... Maybe it's all my feminist rage. <laughs> but why would I make a guy... Why would I let a guy make me feel like that? I know. And I understand that this is a different time. 2005, we're still very much in that trope of like, 
damsel in distress. He makes me feel like shit, but I love him. Bad boy. All the tropes, they've just meshed together. To me, it was like, you just made me feel like 2005 was that long ago. And it, to me, it feels it like it. It is that long ago, just FYI. It was 18 years ago. Jesus Christ. That means, uh, that means people born in 2005 are turning 18 this year. Read them and weep, baby. <laughs> yeah, so I just... We're gangchant. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we are very gangchant. Um... No, I just think looking at it from a 2023 lens where it's always mm-hmm. like, girl power, never let a guy see you cry. Fuck him. Date his friend. Fuck his mom. Like, all that <laughs> shit. <laughs> Absolutely. But you're like, why would I be crying to my mother who hates him also, by the way? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was just like, that's pathetic, Rory. Like, that's absolutely pathetic. I agree. And then there's, there's, there's one part of me that agrees wholeheartedly with everything you're saying. Yeah, maybe I'm just a bitch today. Then there's, a, then, there's <laughs> a, then there's another part yeah. of me who, like, who kind of sees the value in Rory having a, vul- a vulnerable moment, any kind of vulnerable moment, yeah. because she kind of is one who bottles up her emotions. So. Yes, so in that sense, I kind of agree that, like, it was probably time she got some of that shit out. Mm-hmm. And, um... Because she clearly wasn't okay with everything that she said she was with, yes, with Logan. So I think the one redeeming thing that the whole breakdown had for her, and we see it again next episode, is that she's coming to the realization that she was probably forcing herself to be someone she wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we've talked about that before in college. You try things. You think you're okay with one thing. You're just... Whatever. She she thought she was okay with it. She's clearly not... If anything, maybe the breakdown helped her realize that she wasn't okay with it. Mm-hmm. So I think that part of it is great. But I'm just like... Oh. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous to see this group of really strong women. So they're talking in the circle. I did find the one redeeming quality of this entire episode. I would have spent 40 minutes just watching Lane, Rory and Paris talk and get progressively drunker. Yeah. Like that. I would have loved that in itself could have been a whole episode. You could have saved a whole ton of money. Give me fucking mannequins, with <laughs> Kyle and Kirk, <laughs> whatever. You know what I mean? Um, so like you have Lane who, Confronted her mother, moved out, is doing things on her own, reduced to like confronting an older woman about maybe her boyfriend's cheating. Like it was just so uh, like like it was just so out of character. <laughs> you have Paris who's like pre med and pre law somehow, <laughs> taking off her shoes and running in the streets begging for change <laughs> to call Doyle and going like up people's asses. And you have Rory. Who's been through so much, crying and throwing up on the bathroom while her mother strokes her hair. I was just like, this is not a good look for feminism, ladies. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think. And the fact that Lane is fighting for Zach. Right. And Paris for Doyle. I think it's, this is definitely one of those episodes that, like, it, your perspective changes when you see it through adult oh, eyes. for sure. Because now I'm 31 and I'm like, girl, get up. <laughs> Like, go. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think the point definitely was to have all three of these characters have an out of character moment, to varying degrees of dis- of success. I would say, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, especially with the Paris thing. Like, part of me again wants to say, like, when has Paris ever given herself a break? And yeah, but just let her kick break? back. But no, she's not kicking back. She's wallowing over a boy. But that's so. what I'm saying. Like, is it a break to get fucking so drunk that you take off your shoes? And I'm in the middle of a town. Like, that's not a break. 
That's, That's a, break- a breakdown. <laughs> Episode title. Not a break, a breakdown. But like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Because also the whole point of going to Stars Hollow was to get their mind off of things, you know? Yeah, how'd that go? But I feel like they just riled each other up. Yeah. Oh my God. It was just, like, the whole thing was... And then the fact that the episode ends with Rory crying and Paris presumably still, like, looking for change. In the street. But Lane and Zach having made up. Yeah, I know. I'm like, bitch, no. No. Oh, my God. It was just... um, No. Again, like, if you'd wanted to have some kind of meaningful addition to Lane's storyline... Don't make it that her boyfriend's secret is he plays the banjo in another band. Yeah. I don't know. The whole thing was a mess. Because that to me just reinforces that Lane's life is not as interesting or as well-rounded as, as Paris and Rory's. Because like that, that means their relationships are more deep than their boyfriend has a secret as playing banjo. I don't think it's more deep. I think... Deeper. <laughs> So I think the the no, I disagree. You disagree? Because I think that what they were trying to show was the universality. Is that a word? Yes, it is. Thank you, English major. <laughs> of my degree's going to some going someplace. Continue. Correcting me. <laughs> um, I think they were trying to show how universal the problem of like at least in two thousand five, women waiting on men or like breaking down over men mm-hmm. it's like no matter where you are in your life you could be an ivy league student pre-med pre-law pre whatever the fuck or you could be like living in a small town like i think what they were trying to say was like see all women go through yeah this. no women is no woman is, is exempt from having yeah like yeah. no one's immune ladies you're all gonna be on the floor yeah. vomiting one okay day. <laughs> okay i take back what i said I, oh, I, I agree with that thank you thank you so much <laughs> yeah so i don't Whatever. And I think there was also a lot of um, other tidbits in the episode where, like, the writers were trying too hard to be funny in terms of giving, like, there was a lot of out of context mentions to Paris's background. Like, her parents are essentially on the run, so her the IRS chased her parents out of the U.S. and they don't own property. At least, at least their finances. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Paris is essentially homeless outside of Yale. Yeah. You kind of have to wonder where she goes in the summer. I'm thinking that this this happened, the thing with parents happened in between, like, last summer and this point. <laughs> I, I hope. Or she lives somewhere with her nanny. I don't know. Oh, the nanny. Yeah, it's true. Who's who, still on the payroll? Like, who, makes who, an appearance. Who left them, but then came back to, t- to care for Doyle. I don't know. It's all weird. <laughs> but anyway. And what happened to Terrence? I'm assuming Paris killed him. <laughs> That's what I always thought. I was like, that's really plausible. <laughs> he said something stupid one day and she's just like fucking... She glued his eyelids shut or something with her glue gun. Yeah. Could be. It's plausible. Come yeah. Um, I want to talk about Lorelai and her magazine. Her mat, Yes. Her magazine interview. See, when we record remotely, it's very... It's much easier for me to go through my notes and point out what I have to say, but I feel like we've just been talking so much all over the place I don't even know where I am. So you, you go. Okay. Um, I'll go. <laughs> so the inn is being featured in a magazine, a fictional magazine called American Travel. Mm-hmm. And Lorelai has to give an interview with Sandy. 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 Um, and inadvertently ends up saying some things that she shouldn't say. 
Was it inadvertent? Uh, no. Uh-huh. So, this side of Lorelai is so annoying to me. Yeah. Where she's already the center of attention, but needs to be the center of attention even more. Yes. I don't know if I explained that properly. No, I, I, know what you, I know what you're saying. But, like, you're already doing an interview about your in, and, like, it's like her mouth gets her in trouble, but she doesn't realize it. Yeah. So I have a lot. I'm, I'm going to say I have a lot to say, but I don't really have that much to say. But um, two different points I made about this was, one, one how is Lorelai dumb enough to not think that like anything we talk about if that's not the end won't be in the article like if you've ever read a profile of someone like they want especially when she went into so much detail about comparing emily to stalin and um Pop. yeah so any writer any journalist is definitely gonna like looking for some juicy anecdote to spice up the inn owner like i'm sorry what's more interesting your drama with your mother or the fact that you own an inn Sorry. Like, obviously, it's interesting enough that American Travel wants to print you, but, you know? So I think when the scene where Lorelai is telling Rory how, like, oh, I gave her some really juicy Emily tidbits, and I'm just like, um, was it on the record? Well, it wasn't about the end. I don't think she'll print that. Like, are you really that dumb? Like, your daughter is a journalism major. Like, are you really that dumb? I don't know. And my second point. <laughs> I just think it's, it's... Maybe in her head, she didn't think they would print... Like, she didn't mean... It's always like this with Lorelai. She... I feel like she talks so much that even she forgets what the point is sometimes. Like us. Like us. How many times have I had to, like, regroup today? But I think... Yeah, that's what I think it is. I feel like she talks so much, that she says so much, that she... She's always jumping from topic to topic that... um, It's easy for her to get carried away sometimes in conversations. Yeah. So... Maybe she was thinking like, oh, I said so much and there's only so much they could write about me. They're not going to choose the stuff with my mother yeah. over the inn, you know what I mean? Which I still think is a dumb move, like, let's be honest. But I, I think in her head she wasn't thinking, like, they came to profile the <clears throat> inn, the, you know, it's, it's called American Travel. It's not called Childhood Trauma, like, you know? So, um... I still think she shouldn't have said it. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. Like, like, the intelligent side of her brain was probably thinking, like, I said so much, they're not going to, you know. Yeah. But also, you saw how fervently yeah, Sandy... Yeah, saw how much she lit up. Sandy was, was, like, taking notes. Like, are you, like, hello? So, I think the other part of what bothers me is, and this, this is definitely, like, speaking as a writer myself, I think what bothers me more is that as, as strongly, as strongly negative feelings that Lorelai has to her mother are, she, like, obviously it's still her mother, so she cares about her feelings to some extent. But, like, it comes down to, in the end, like, she wants them to pull the article because she calls Sandy after the fact, being like, can you not put this out about my mother? She's like, um, no, we're not friends. <laughs> um, which, totally, I'm, I'm on the writer's side on that one. Like, oh, yeah, like, it's, sure. like it's too late. Like, my, like, I've already sent it to my editor. Like, it's in their hands. Like, definitely too I late. I work really hard on the piece. Exactly. Yeah. So... Um, and then it comes down to either we put like it's either leave it as is or we pull it all together. So eventually, where Lorelai decides she wants to pull it all together, I'm guessing to save her mother's feelings in the end. Like she thought about it and didn't want or didn't want the headache of that being out in the world, maybe yeah. whatever it was, because Lorelai uh, also knows that Rory told Emily about it at dinner, yeah. etc. 
Also, there was a dinner and we didn't even see it. Like that could have been a nice, <laughs> could have been, nice... been a nice break from the museum <laughs> shit. Let's be honest. Um, but I, I also have to say, if I was a normal human being, I wasn't finished my point. Oh, I'm sorry, Cole. <laughs> I'm very sorry. You paused. Um, so I think my, my 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 perspective on that is I'm I kind of expect more from Lorelai mm. in this context because as a writer who's written about my life and experiences that I've had like I've like I've published personal essays talking about things that have happened in my life and I even um I took an online course or like a one-time online class this spring with with an author that I really love and it was all about like writing like memoir writing and how not to hurt people's feelings Mm -hmm. in the writing I just took the class I love I love the author it wasn't I didn't care she could have been talking about phone books I don't care Um, care. (laughs) but no it was really interesting I knew she I knew she would have a lot to say on that topic so that's why and um, like, and there's boundaries you establish as a writer when For you're, sure. when you like where you want to go, but there's at a certain point, there's a, and I think this, this is more my perspective than anything else, but I think there's a certain point where there's your boundary and then there's my, like this, this is my creative outlet. This is what I'm choosing. This is how I'm choosing to process something that yeah. happened to me. Therefore I cannot compromise the truth in that. So yeah. there's, there's, there's definitely a line. Obviously, well, like you don't want to. I want to ask you though. Okay. Like I can imagine that there's a because writing is your thing. It's not my thing. <laughs> um, there's, I guess there's a way to do it in a way that's not compromising you and your story, mm-hmm. but also not entirely throwing the other person under the bus. Yeah, so that, that's essentially and, like, what running all over them. <laughs> that's essentially what this author in this class that I took was like. There's that line where it's mm-hmm. like I don't want to compromise me and my story and my experience and how I'm processing what happened to me. Right. But I also am not going to like spend five paragraphs saying how much my mother was a piece of shit. Like, and I, and I haven't done that, but, um, or nor if I compare my mother to Stalin in anything I've ever written, I would never do that. And a lot of the time I think it's just for me, like, I think it comes, I think it comes down to like a bit of a queer aspect too, where it's like, I'm not going to compromise my truth for other people's feelings where it's mm-hmm. like. Oh, well, there was, like, I remember one of the first pieces, my first ever piece that I wrote for Book Riot almost four years ago when I first was... Hu- four years. Yeah. Years. <laughs> it was exactly the same time we started the podcast, actually. Oh, yeah, it's true. <clears throat> oh, God. So, like, the first ever piece that I wrote for them, I remember I sent it to you because I had to send it with my application. They wanted, like, a sample piece, and, like, that's when they ended up publishing first. It was about, like, me and Matilda and how mm-hmm. I related... I remember. And how I related to that, to Matilda growing up and everything. And there was a part in it that really offended my mother when I when it was published, and I look if back. I had a nickel for every time I offended my mother. And like I didn't even think twice about it. It was more just like this is this is my experience. Like I like, and I really wanted to write for them, so I I, I put a lot of I'll say a heart in it. It wasn't very it wasn't a very thorough piece, but it was what it was. And what what upset my mother at the time was how I I mentioned something about how my mom used to. I'll say ridicule, but ridicule the small r. <laughs> she used to like point out how in high school I would carry my books like in a, like a girl, like in a feminine way. Like I would carry my books like this, and she would tell me like, like I'm not demonstrating now. You can't see me in a very pink lady way. Yeah, like I would carry my books like up against my chest rather than like down by my like down by my hip oh my god and like did she you would, also wear a letterman jacket and like she would also say like not even like school books like she'd see like she'd draw me out of the library and like she would see me come out and be like don't carry your books like that like just little things like that and like there's a lot like there's a lot of internalized homophobia in everybody i don't i don't want to say that's what it was in this case but like there's a lot of things my mom said to me growing up that, it's like unconscious for a lot of it people. was long and it was unconscious for her because i know she doesn't 
like I know she she loves beyond that. I think mm-hmm. it's just like in the moment that was her parenting tip of the day. I don't know, <laughs> but um, she had, and like she did a lot with a lot of other things. Just like, t- like stop at like you know don't be like that. Like you know you have to be, you have to toughen up or whatever it was. Like there's a lot of stuff like that she said to me, and I touched a bit on that in that article that I wrote for Book Riot, and she was like. I don't know if she was offended, but she was bothered by it. And, like, she just said, you know, you didn't have to make it sound like your your own parents didn't get you. In my experience... And that's not what I wrote. You yeah, remember what I wrote. That's in not In my how experience, <laughs> when parents get defensive like that, it's because they don't like being... They don't like it when you're pointing out... Their flaws. Or their mistakes. That they did something wrong. Yeah. And it's not even, like, you wrote it... It's, it wasn't even the subject of your paper, you know, no. your essay. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes I'll be joking around with my mother and I'm like, remember when you would like, like, remember what we were talking about on the couch before of like staying home sick? Yeah. I was like, I could have been on my deathbed and my mother never would have let me stay home. And like, if I say that to my mother now, even though it's fucking true, by the way, she's like, oh, I wasn't that bad. Oh, like, my mom is the exact same I know. way. So it's just sometimes parents have a hard time, um processing in retrospect exactly like so, in the moment if you said something like we were even talking about like now when like if i'm talking to my mother about like m- like me giving her advice on managing her mental health it's like a block it's like <laughs> their brain just short circuit it's they not computing know. yeah they don't know they they genuinely just yeah so what i think anyway back to the episode what i think bothered me what i think bothered me about Lorelai kind of being loosey-goosey and obviously she's not the writer she's being the one she was the one being interviewed mm-hmm. so I'm coming from, I'm coming from this from the perspective of a writer having written my own experiences mm-hmm. I think what bothers me the most is that she, she's kind of just doesn't want to take responsibility for what she said yeah and it's not like what she said necessarily was bad like she was it was in jest like at, what comes out in the end is a bit harsh um but I think this, but, but, but what bothers me is that that's how she felt. Like, we all know that Lorelai and her mother share a tortured relationship. At this point, they're not on speaking terms. Yes. But so to... Like, okay. Let's let's pretend for a minute what she said wasn't as harsh as it was. Let's say she was just speaking the truth about her mother, and then and, and then she realized, like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Tries to take it back. Doesn't really... Like, to me, it's like, own up to how you feel. Like, maybe, like, maybe this should be your excuse to tell your mother, like, to have this out with your mother. So, or something. You know I, I mean? understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. but can you imagine if the roles were reversed <laughs> and Emily had said something to the effect of, like, uh, Lorelai is so flighty, she can't keep a man, um, or... Or Lorelai was a devil child. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, she... Anything else that Lorelai criti- is criticized for. Uh, she speaks too much, out of turn, like, she, we could never control her kind of thing. She had a child out of wedlock, didn't marry the father. Exactly. Like, even if some of these things... So we all know Emily Gilmore. Mm-hmm. We all know that probably what Lorelai said, yes, was very colorful, but was steeped in truth. So even if it's true sometimes... Yeah. It's still hard. There's also a line, like I said. Exactly. There, there's a... And I and I do want to reiterate this. Is my perspective is coming from someone who has been the writer writing about my experiences. So it's different when you're being interviewed yeah. and you say something that you shouldn't have. Yeah. That's a very different story. But I think for me, this brings up a sense of like own up to what you said. Yeah, I get that too. I, I definitely think she should own up to what she said and like take responsibility for your experiences and your like your truth almost. And I think it, I don't think it's that deep, but. 
I think it just bothers me because it's like you clearly have issues with your mother that have yeah. been unresolved and I think yeah but maybe American travel is not the way to air them out yeah you're right <laughs> you know yeah and I also think that if Laura I'm also was... someone who tries to process my own traumas through my writing so <laughs> yeah but if you were writing about a hotel no you know yeah. and I also think there's a time and place you're right yeah there's a time and place but I also think that if Lorelai was a normal human being um she would maybe come to the realization after she's pulled the article that, hey, I have some real issues with my mother that has clearly permeated every part of my life and ruined this opportunity to have my in. Absolutely. That's not just like my in, but Suki's in. So you're like messing with other people's livelihoods too. It's like everything has become about my mother. Yeah. Maybe I need some help here. I'm drawing a blank, but doesn't the article actually run in the end or something? Yeah, like, it does. Okay, because I remember Emily reading it like yeah. the scene where emily reads yeah, so it she changes her mind about pulling it because mm -hmm. i think she comes to that realization of like it's good exposure for the inn obviously and she's like you said she's but not you're it's, willing it's not just her in like it's not just her thing. you're willing to like not just fuck up your own livelihood but suki's because you have such disdain for your mother yeah. like maybe work out your issues when they start like crawling into every nook and cranny of your life a normal person would say hey yeah maybe i should fix this so like yeah so i think that's kind of what i what i what i mean when i say like own up yeah like own up to what you said so maybe like maybe american travel is not the place to if i were her i also would have called sandy and been like hey can you not mention that shit because i compared my mother to a dictator yeah. two dictators <laughs> and listen if sandy said no like then well, yeah fuck you sandy well fuck you sandy but also like yeah i have to own up to what i said i said it my mother knows how my mouth runs sometimes fuck it you know what i mean um but yeah i think if <laughs> if this show were a normal show and we were more open to therapy i think this would have been a turning point like if this was a normal character i think this would have been a turning point where like i need therapy i love how like the first order not the first order of business but like one of the first orders of business in a year of life is having them on a therapist yes couch. because i'm like this is a long time coming they needed this yeah um i also think we weren't just talking openly about therapy in 2005 no it was a bit it would and especially not on a on a on a family, family network. oriented network like the wb it would have it was mental health and its representation was not not in that place in 2005 but it was just it's just um yeah i don't know anyone watching it now in 2023 would have been mm -hmm. like girl clearly therapy is needed here <laughs> you know like you can't just freeze out your mother no. call her stalin in a magazine and hope she never sees it no and i think it's difficult as two people who have been through enough therapy mm -hmm. ourselves to look at that relationship that we've all we've also worked out our relationships with our mothers in therapy, so God. it's hard even to watch fiction. Yeah, and it's even harder in real life. Like you know, like it's really hard to spend time around people who like clearly need therapy, but you're not the one to tell them. There's there's every couple of months this tweet resurfaces of like I'm in therapy because there's people in my life that need to be in therapy. Yeah, but are not. There's even like I remember someone even like embroidered that on. A, yes it's so true yeah. like most of us are in therapy to deal with our dysfunctional family that refuses to go to therapy and deal with their own shit yeah so i need to learn how to deal with your dysfunction isn't that ridiculous that i'm spending money when you should be fucking spending money i think what's even more frustrating is that it reaches a certain point and i've i mean i've I, i've asked you with this before in the past when i've like and at the end of my rope where <laughs> isn't it so frustrating that, that moment where you realize like wow i am like in some ways more like emotionally 
resilient and emo- like more. I have my mind, my, my my emotions are more developed and. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I know what you're like to say. I'm like I am more emotionally developed than the people who brought me up. Like, it's... my my therapist used to tell me the reason you're in therapy is because you're too emotionally intelligent, mm. and that is like your weakness. Yeah, because you feel too much. Yeah, you're attuned to all. of And I'm yeah. like, then how do I get unemotionally intelligent? Because she used to tell me like your your mom, your dad, your your brother, they're not as emotionally intelligent as you, yeah. and that's why they can let a lot of things slide. Yeah. Whereas you feel them way too much. Yes. And you don't know how to deal with them. That makes sense. And I'm like, then why should I suffer? Why? Yeah. But anyways, yeah, I remember that always being a really big bummer for me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I hated that. But yeah, it's just it's. Um, Therapy is needed. Yeah. Moral of the story, Lorelai Gilmore needs therapy. It only took her another 11 years to go. <laughs> Should we talk about um, Luke, not Luke, Kirk being homeless again? We can talk about Kirk Or he's still homeless. homeless. Yeah. Uh, I love how these become the town's problem. Yeah. Like a stray dog <laughs> that they're all just passing around. Like, oh, I can't stay at that house because the they kids... They have a goldfish. That. And like the kids stick things up his nose. Oh, then sleep with the door closed. This wasn't when I was asleep. <laughs> then bitch, bat their hands away. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, he's afraid of goldfish, yeah. apparently. They just stare at you, Jeffrey. Yeah. Did you know? I... What else are they fucking supposed to do? <laughs> God. Um, so he ends up staying the night with Lorelai. Yeah. And the fact that she's parenting him like you would a five-year-old is like very on brand for him. Mm-hmm. But also I'm like, grow the fuck up. Yeah. And Paris even says it. How old is he? I love that. And I love that line of you have to cut him open and, and count the rings because I think that's part of the character's charm. Is like we don't like he just is. Herb just is. We don't know how we old he know. is. We don't know where he came from. We don't know how he came to be. We don't know how many siblings he has. We don't know how he bagged Lulu. <laughs> we don't know how old he is. We don't know if he's even this species. Yeah. He just he's in Stars Hollow. He just okay. Is. He just is. He just he's in. <laughs> that's it. But yeah, it's, uh, did you turn off the TV? I think I like, I kind of like that though. I know, even though it's ridiculous because he's a grown man, I think. But it's part of his charm. I think what's endearing is that like Lorelai knows him so well from the town is like, and Lorelai is the kind of person to give, you know, to help out. And she's willing to, she, she, in, the, in this instance, she's like willing to mother him. Like she knows, like she knows him well enough to know that's what he needs. Yeah. You know, it's. I also do love the fact that he walked into Rory's bedroom and covered his eyes. And then he still has his eyes closed yeah, in the like, kitchen. Why are your eyes closed? He goes, in case you guys are naked, you think I walk into my daughter's room and we're just naked? <laughs> Anyways, um, I don't know your domestic routine. Well, he doesn't. I don't know I don't, I don't. know your domestic routine. What do you do? Nothing. I sit on this fucking couch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where can they find us, Jeffrey? Um, they can follow us on tweeters at Gilmore Podcast on Instagram at Gilmore Girls Podcast. Um, you can email us should you please Gilmore Podcast at gmail.com. and uh, you can always subscribe to our email newsletter where you'll get um, a new edition with every new podcast episode where we give you a bit of a taste of what we're reading, watching, listening to at the moment, some stars hollow trivia. Um, hot topics, anything else under the sun that we feel like talking about that isn't on the podcast. Um, and you can subscribe at gilmoregirlspodcast.substack.com.
And all the links are also available on Instagram. Yes. I believe. Right? I made I made a link tree. Wow, as, we're so advanced. As they call. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck that is. Uh no, I do know what that is. But as always, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>